Hiya! Welcome to another edition of The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. Now, my accent makes it sound like jewel, as in jousting with knights, but it's actually jewel as in like a diamond or a sapphire. Are they jewels? An emerald? I think that's one. Thanks for popping in if you're listening live on Lisburn's 98 FM or indeed on Bangor FM or indeed indeed on FM 105 and Downpatrick. That's right, we're syndicated on three of the finest community radio stations in Northern Ireland. And if you're joining us for the first time, what we do here is I take a little dive into the CD collection to sort of tell a musical story around a theme. You can listen again if you've missed out on any of the episodes we've already done. I've done a Christmas special, a special rounding up the previous year. That was 2015. I did a New Year special. And over the past couple of weeks, I actually had my first special guests join me for the Jewel Case. Uh, I spent a fortnight with my old friend Kieran Logue. He was back visiting from London and we made a playlist of the best gigs we had ever been to together and we've been to a lot. And last week, I had another one of my best friends, Ryan McGordy. You may know him from The Wonder Villains and now Beauty Sleep. And we took a trip back to 1991, the year he was born, and playlisted some of the best music released that year that had Primal Scream, Screamadelica, Nirvana's Nevermind, and Chesney Hawks' I Am The One And Only. Oh wait, we didn't actually play Chesney Hawks. That's right. What a relief. This week the show's inspired by a gig that I was at last week. John Grant in the Mandela Hall in Belfast, put on by the lovely people at Open House Festival. And I got to thinking about John Grant and his big move to Iceland. So his whole artistic life was really rejuvenated by his move to Reykjavik in Iceland. And it got me thinking about other artists moving out and moving on up. Just move on up toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time complication. So bear with me. And over the course of the next hour, we'll highlight a couple of artists who I feel have been particularly artistically moved by their physical movement to a new place. Just to give you a bit of a heads up, there'll be some Bowie, not surprisingly, and some John Lennon from his New York period. As a special treat, I have another guest in the studio with me today. Later in the show, you'll be hearing from him. It's Chris Ryan from the band Robocobra Quartet. Did I say that right? Robocobra Quartet, based in Belfast here. And Chris is actually originally from Wicklow via the United Arab Emirates. So I got him in the chat about his artistic movements since his geographic movements to Belfast. But first, let's stay in Belfast. Because one of the best known artists from Belfast actually had a pretty significant move himself. Yep, he guessed it, Van the Man. And should we all know that him and them were playing around Belfast and making big waves, playing some rhythm and blues? Under my voice right now, you can hear the sweet, sweet, sweet sound of Gloria. Self-penned by Van, but they were also pretty famous for their great versions of some blues standards like Baby Please Don't Go and a song that was actually written for Lulu. Or did she actually perform it and they covered it? No, I think them released it first and then Lulu released it after. Here comes the night. Up 
apologies to the them enthusiasts amongst us. I know Here Comes the Night is a glorious song. And maybe the intro of Brown Eyed Girl is a little bit overplayed. But this is really the jumping off point for Van and it coincides with his move to New York. And there's a little link to Here Comes the Night in there too because Bert Burns, who wrote and produced Here Comes the Night for them, persuaded Van to go over to New York and sign up with his new label, Bang Records. Now, allegedly the deal was pretty dodgy and Van basically signed over the rights to artistic control over his output to Bang Records. Brown Eyed Girl was the result of this deal, and it is great. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff Van recorded in this area, he, apparently he's not too happy with now and subsequently after Bang Records released an album that he really wasn't happy with, uh, Van Morrison blew in your mind and it has notoriously bad artwork, uh, but it's kind of great and kitsch now. Uh, he just had wanted nothing to do with them and after Burt Burns died there was all this legal battle with his widow. Now apparently Van recorded a load of songs just to get out of the contract. Uh, one of those cases of the record label requires X amount of songs or X amount of albums uh, from the artist, sort of the way Prince did, um, and Van just got through it, got out of the deal. So he was stuck in limbo for a little bit because of these legal ongoing issues, and he moved to Massachusetts, a little bit away from New York. But this is where he made contact with um, Warner Brothers and eventually would go on to produce what is perhaps the cornerstone, the key work in his over Astral Weeks. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world steel rims crack And the ditch and the back roads stop Could you find me? Or would you kiss my eyes? Laying it down The silence is To be born again To be born again From the far side of the ocean If I put the wheels in motion Then I stand with my arms behind me I'm pushing out the door Could you find me? Would you kiss my eyes? Lay me down It's silence easy To be born again To be born again Standing with the look of Elvis Talking to you to let better Showing pictures on the wall Whispering in the hall I'm pointing a finger at me Putting on his little red shoes 
point your finger at me Straight at you Coming through, darling If I ventured in the slipstream Between the vine ducks of your dream Where a mobile steel rims crack And the ditch in the back road stop Could you find me? Would you kiss my eyes And lay me down In silence easy To be born again To be born again To be born again To be born again In another world, darling In another world In another time Got a home on high Ain't nothing but a stranger in this world I'm nothing but a stranger in this world I got a home on high In another land So far away So far away We up in the heaven We up in the heaven In another place In another time In another place Demands to be played in full that song. Um, so sorry if you were just expecting a little segment. Uh, you got the whole lot. The whole album really demands to be played in full, but we don't have time for that tonight on the Jewel Case with me, your host, John Darcy. Thank you if you're listening live on Lisburn's 98, Bangor FM or FM 105 in Downpatrick. If you'd like to get in touch and give me an idea for an upcoming episode of The Jewel Case, a little musical theme, please get in touch via Twitter at John Darcy Music. And if you'd like to listen to any of the shows again, you can just check out thejewelcase.johndarcy.com or search for Lisburn's 98 on Audioboom or if you have iTunes you can search in the podcast section The Jewel Case Now, 
We're talking musicians moving to different places and their musical practice moving a little bit along the way too. So with that in mind, Games by John Lennon. to cut you off in your prime there John a great chorus part of Mind Games from the album Mind Games released by John Lennon and I think that was one of the earlier things he released after he moved to New York actually one of the earliest things he released was uh, Give Peace a Chance to Christmas Song but I don't think that's quite appropriate for tonight in fact what might be more appropriate is a song that comes later on in his New York period in brackets, just like, close brackets, starting over. Our life together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Although our love is still special. Let's take a chance and fly away somewhere alone. After all of the craziness, a lot of crazy New York stuff happening with John and his life and Yoko, his wife. I'll direct you to any number of John Lennon biographies and you can do your own research on his lost weekend. He produced a lot of music to mixed reviews while he was living in New York, although I think he is considered the Beatle with the best back catalogue post-Beatles breakup. John and Yoko in New York where he found his sort of rock and roll roots again and where he produced some albums with Phil Spector and uh, just did loads of great creative stuff post Beatles breakup. Um, so he lived in New York for quite a few years before he was sadly taken. And another artist who was taken from us very recently, David Bowie, is probably best known for being associated with a particular city that he moved to at a key point in his artistic trajectory. So Bowie moved to Berlin in the late 70s and while he was there he recorded three albums and they've sort of been branded now as the Berlin Trilogy. It was Low, Heroes and Lodger and what you're hearing now underneath my voice is Warsawa which was from Low, one of the sort of ambient electronic works influenced by Bowie's collaboration with Brian Eno from Roxy Music or from Brian Eno fame. 
Also producing the work then was Tony Visconti and he said that uh, the stuff that they produced in Berlin was some of the most experimental music that he's ever been a part of. So Bowie was influenced by electronic musicians like Kraftwerk and Krautrock like New. And obviously working with Brian Eno, they're getting synthesizers involved. Bowie's sort of trying to kick a lot of bad habits by being in Berlin, but probably also picking up a lot of bad habits along the way too. And he produces this. Sound and Vision, of course, one of his most sumptuous productions. As I said, Eno and Visconti on the boards, on the synths, and it's classic Bowie because it's just a melting pot of all the influence he's taking in as he's going to clubs, uh, going to gigs, going to art events in Berlin, letting this new city influence him and letting it affect his art in this really amazing way. That was a little bit of sound and vision from Low. The next album in that little Berlin trilogy, Heroes, kept on the theme of ambient electronic music, influenced a lot by Kraftwerk, and what you're hearing now is a little snippet of V2 Snyder, with a bit of a nod to Florian Snyder from Kraftwerk in the title. But, of course, we can't forget the title track of the album, which is so singular in its sound. Mm, that sweet electric guitar from Robert Fripp. So before he leaves Berlin, Bowie makes one more album with that tandem of producers Brian Eno and Tony Visconti. And the album is Lodger, and it was a little bit harder to produce than the first two, apparently. So Bowie responded to this creative problem with a creative solution and a bunch of creative solutions. He started using these oblique strategies cards and these are just cards that have a simple instruction and they were designed by Brian Eno and Peter Smith and the idea is that each card has a different instruction and that you read the instruction and respond to that uh, in a way that it'll nudge you into making something creative, making something new, uh, give you a bit of inspiration if you're not feeling massively creative. And Bowie did this, and the result was a couple of songs that conceptually uh, were formed in completely different ways to the way he usually wrote or composed or produced music. For example, the song you're hearing just underneath my voice, Boys Keep Swinging. Boys? Boys? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the band all swapped instruments, and so they're playing things they're not used to playing. For some other songs, Bowie looked into his back catalogue, one example of this is Move On, and it takes its inspiration from All the Young Dudes, a song Bowie originally wrote for Matt the Hoople. Recognise it? Well, apparently they just reversed the chord sequence and came up with this new song, the subject of which is kind of appropriate to the show today. Sometimes I feel the need to move on so I pack a bag, move on. Yes, move on indeed, and he did eventually move on from Berlin. But what I've neglected to mention is that while he was there, he was living with none other than Iggy Pop. Yes, that's right, that Iggy Pop from the Stooges. Yes, they had a big friendship um, throughout the 70s. 
and uh, when they were both trying to get clean they moved to Berlin together and actually collaborated a little bit so one of the songs on Lodger is actually a direct descendant from a song that Bowie wrote with Iggy for his album Lust for Life it started as Sister Midnight And Sister Midnight got reincarnated as Red Money on Bowie's album Lodger. Artist that inspired this little journey into musical journeys, John Grant. And this is a little bit of a song called Mars from his album Queen of Denmark. Bittersweet strawberry marshmallow butterscotch. Holy bear cashew Dixieland phosphate chocolate. Lime, tutti, fruity, special raspberry, leave it to me. Three gray scotch, lassie, cherry, smash, lemon, freeze. I want to go to Mars, where green rivers flow. And your sweet 16 is waiting for you after the show. You'll meet the gold dust twins tonight You'll get your heart's desire I will meet you under the lights So that's a little bit of a song called Mars from the album Queen of Denmark and that was released in a row around 2010 and uh, this was John getting back into music having had his former band the Gazars split up uh, facing a lot of personal issues substance abuse uh, facing homophobia throughout his life and this was released to critical acclaim and uh, a massive musical comeback uh, but John was still having personal issues he was moving around Europe and um, Apparently he has a massive interest in languages, can speak loads of different languages. Uh, He was in Sweden and eventually ended up in Iceland and worked with some musicians that he met there and ended up releasing one of the best albums uh, from the last five or six years, Pale Green Ghosts. songs I actually heard of John Grant's and I only got to know his music from a chance attendance at a gig that he was doing in Belfast as part of Cathedral Quarter Arts Festival and my friend had a spare ticket come on to John Grant it'll be great 
and it was great. It totally took me by surprise. I hadn't heard about him, but he had all these great songs with really interesting, funny lyrics, all these synthesizers on stage, and this amazing band that he uh, had brought over from Iceland. And when I heard that he was coming over to Belfast again to play the Open House Festival at Mandela Hall, I jumped at the chance to go because his live act is just so full of charisma. He's, again, one of these singular artists who you can't really imagine anyone else singing their songs. So thanks Open House for booking John Grant and bringing him over here and thanks for booking loads of great bands over the past while and I see they have a little tour going on Lindsay Lou and the Flat Bellies and they're playing Cirque and Banger on the 3rd of February Hollywood Yacht Club on the 4th of February and they're playing in Achadai on Friday and Portrush Saturday Hilden on Sunday Achadai? Where's that? Oh dear, I need to get the map out. Maybe Achadai, maybe that's where I'm going to move to have my musical splurge, my creative outburst. Uh, am I saying that right? Agadai, Achadai, Achadawi. Uh, if you can let me know, please tweet me. John Darcy Music is my handle. Uh, you are with me, John Darcy, uh, just for the next star. We're halfway through. And we're taking a little musical journey through different musicians who've had a musical journey. It's a bit of a thorny issue, that of emigration or immigration. And often talking about musicians from the UK or America or Ireland, uh, we can take for granted that uh, they can just move to other cities or other countries with a lot of freedom. Uh, but not everyone in the world has that freedom. And they might not even have that freedom to move when their lives are in danger in another country. This is a major problem that the world has to deal with right now. Not one that I'm overly well equipped to debate with myself over on a musical radio show. But maybe the artists and the music that we've played tonight uh, shows something of the creativity and collaboration that occurs when people are allowed to move around and uh, live their life in different places. The topic of musicians moving to other places tonight has been inspired by me going to see John Grant in concert last week and remembering that he's been based in Iceland for the past number of years and it's really been the home of his musical regeneration and uh, outpouring of amazing songs and actually he had a hand in writing one of Iceland's recent Eurovision entries but uh, I don't actually have that one on CD. I don't collect the Eurovision uh, compilation CDs, sorry. And uh, it is my little rule on the dual case to only play things that I can actually get my hands on. Hopefully in a clear CD case. Uh, sometimes they're digipacks. Not quite as keen on that. I know I'm uh, on my own there. Uh, most people prefer a nicely printed digipack, but uh, and all the jewel cases are ending up in a landfill somewhere. Uh, I've gone off on a tangent. You are listening to the jewel case with me, John Darcy, as always. Uh, if you're listening on Lisburn's 98 FM, Bangor FM, or FM 105 in Downpatrick, thanks for tuning in and do get in touch uh, Twitter at John Darcy Music. If you're listening again on iTunes or Audioboom or my little website, thejewelcase.johndarcy.com, thanks and let me know how you got on. Now, I did promise at the start of the show that I'd have a special guest this evening. The drummer and singer from one of my favourite bands in Belfast, but he didn't always live in Belfast. I'll not spoil the story, but just to say that I recorded this interview with him on a lovely wet Sunday afternoon, just gone by in Belfast. This is Chris Ryan from Robocobra Quartet. So I'm here with Chris Ryan from Robocobra Quartet. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? You have been plonked right in the middle of my little exploration of people who are playing music and moving to different cities and trying to think about how that affects their music, but also how it affects like their personal life, their social life. So I thought of you, because you're living in Belfast, but you didn't always live in Belfast. Correct. I'm so glad you're thinking of me. 
<laughs> Always. <laughs> so tell me your story. Where did you begin life? I was born. Um, there's a really good Richard Dawson. Do you know Richard, Richard yeah. Dawson? That song, it starts with, I am born. But it's like a past tense. Such a great way to say it. I am born in Saudi Arabia. It really is such a thing. But yeah, I was born. I was born. Sorry. There's your first tangent. I was born in. Uh, you can you can cut that all out. I was born in Saudi Arabia in in Jeddah, so to two Irish parents, um, and I lived there for a few years. My parents sort of moved around a bit, I guess, because they they sort of got kind of bored of Ireland in the seventies. And, um, and what, what part of Ireland? Um, so I guess I'm originally from Wexford in the in the southeast. Okay. So New Ross, I believe, or Enniscorthy. Shout out, Enniscorthy. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, people ask me where I'm from, and then I kind of usually say that. And then it's like, oh, what's the scene like there? And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, or like, I know John Fogarty from down there. <laughs> you know John, right? No, I don't know John Fogarty. Great, great post-hardcore scene there right now. Uh, right, I yeah, hear. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know. That's kind of where I was born and then I lived in, I kind of moved back to Ireland for a few years to Wexford and then moved to Dubai when I was like about six or so. That was like 98, I guess. I guess just at the start of like things like really building up there in terms of like gigantic skyscrapers and all that stuff. Everything's massive there. Yeah, I think it was a pretty quick like transition. I mean, like in the 60s and 70s in like the United, United Arab Emirates in Dubai, it was just like a fishing like a pearl fishing town pretty much and then like beyond that like 70 80 and through the 90s slowly kind of picked up and then right about the mid 90s it just went like boom boom and is is this just like that sweet oil money or what is that essentially i think i think that that's it yeah began as kind of um i think oil i mean my my parents i even just assumes that like my parents are oil barons my my mom just works in like nursery she takes care of kids and stuff okay she's working in a mental hospital and so she's kind of like comes from that um side of things so like i kind of lived with her most of the time when i was there um so no digging for oil, unfortunately. I guess you're going to school there, and are you a teenager there then too? Pretty much, yeah. Like for the majority of my kind of growing up, yeah. Like I guess six through eighteen. And this is when you start your music making, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I was about like um, fourteen or so when I started playing shows. I think, yeah. How did you get started? Actually, I was talking to someone about this yesterday. They were talking about you know how you get um, you get a lot of your influence or whatever in music from or exposure to music rather through like siblings and stuff yeah and I remember my older I have two old two brothers and kind of my middle brother Johnny he um had showed me a band the, the Dead Kennedys right and he was like check out this band my friend showed me it they're so stupid like listen to his voice he's got this little warbling you know Jello Biafra he's like he's got this silly voice like what's the deal with this you know like what do you think and I was like yeah it sounds really stupid but like really I was like this is the coolest thing ever and that night like hit up LimeWire so hard just downloaded everything they ever had and that was kind of like a pretty big point in like you know I guess you know when you find music that like doesn't just seem like part of the you know the atmosphere it seems like something that's vital you know sure and then I was like whoa and so I guess it was punk you know that like hardcore and stuff that kind of was the start of that made me think about playing you know and this is in the era of just downloading someone's entire discography online for exactly free. yeah exactly not even think well that's the thing is like i guess a big part of like growing up there as well is there was no um six small record stores there's no like you know shout out lisbon 98.1 there's no like small like radio stations there's nothing it's just you know there's nothing or it's like Phil Collins reunion tour in like a stadium. You know, there's okay. no, yeah. there was no like midpoint. So you could only mass pop cultural events. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Or, or like just in your back garden kind of thing, playing with friends. You know, the the internet thing. Like the, the idea of downloading music is imperative. I don't think I would have. I probably would have just got into sports. So when you're saying it was it was that or the backyard with friends. Mm-hmm. Was it with friends you started uh, a band or something? Yeah, I mean, because that, that was it. I mean, it was like, I guess if you talk to anyone who like listens or listened to or began music like with punk and hardcore and stuff, it's like the take home message is like, ah, you can do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you, you can do it and you should do it and just do it kind of thing. So like, we started playing together and stuff, me and kind of school friends, I guess terrible all of us terrible musicians like absolutely terrible that's what every and punk rock uh, musician says yeah. when we when we first started we were terrible or and we're now still terrible. i'm amazing <laughs> <laughs> 
no, that was I, so you yeah. said that your brothers like were uh, dead Kennedys. This guy sounds stupid. Yeah. Did, wait, how did you find some people who didn't think it was stupid? So there was a very small scene, and like I met a friend of mine. There's a guy I met who did vocals in one of the first bands I was in. I was playing drums. And I think he was wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt. It's the first time I've ever seen anyone so far at that point. Like, it was basically me, Wikipedia, and LimeWire. That was, like, <laughs> what, you know, this, like, musical journey was. There was no, like... That was your scene. I had no co-conspirators, you know what I mean? It was just, like, me. And I was like, Wikipedia, right, okay, cool. And then Black Flag, what's this? So eventually, like, when I kind of saw other people, I saw a dude wearing a shirt that was, you know, this band. I was like, whoa, there's other people out there. And then that's how it kind of, um, we started playing shows. So You're almost like a researcher as a teenager yeah. sitting in your room, uh, gathering all this information about scenes in America. And I guess you're looking into like the DC scene and Minor Threat. Sure, and all sure. This. Uh, and then you finally see someone in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the band t-shirt from maybe like the 80s and 90s onward is, is a real signifier for the tribalism of music. Uh, yeah. It's how we find each other. It's, it's how f- we magnetize towards each other because we wear a certain type of clothes. Uh, absolutely, man. It's like, it's a flag or it's like a business card. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's telling you, I, I, I'm into this. Are you into this? Yeah, exactly. call, it's, call, it's a it's, question. It's yeah. not so much a statement about you as well, but are you calling out to yeah. others to recognize the symbol, the, sure. the logo of the band that not everyone knows? Yeah, no, 100% man, for sure. I mean, it seems silly, but it's like, it's actually so vital, to, especially when you're young and you're kind of trying to see where you fit, you know? And you're kind of like, where, 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 where is my place or whatever, you know? And you see someone else who's like, wants to occupy the same space and you're like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> so your place was sitting behind the drum kit a little bit and uh, what other instruments did you play? That was really it I mean to be honest I, I, for a long time and actually for the large majority of the time that I've been playing the drums I, I've never really had like much formal tuition and stuff like that so I'm kind of not really uh, there's a lot of gaps in what I do you know and the same kind of thing with any other instruments it was kind of picked up along the way so uh, I, I would say you would say primarily drums. I mean, especially at that point, I think I only started kind of writing otherwise, like well later. You know, I think when I was by the time I was seventeen or eighteen, kind of using other instruments. You know? I have seen photos of you on the internet brandishing a guitar. Oh yes, 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 yes. So Actually, that's right. You're right. This this is a band that were slightly well known around the area. Yeah, I guess if you jump forward a fair bit, I played in a band called Grand Hotel Paradox. that was like a period as well when I was like really a lot of that kind of music that I was writing with that band as well it was like also along the like, kind of like I mean everything's a learning process but it was one step along the learning process where like I was interested in like politicism and stuff but it was like a lot more oblique you know it was just like straight up kind of um stating facts you know like crass or something like that where it's like sure. the class war is bad you know stuff like that maybe like not so subtle um but yeah, it was that band, and we kind of did a little... I guess that was not the first band that I started doing little tours and stuff with, but it was kind of when I got a little busier with um, doing the DIY thing, I suppose, with booking stuff and, you know, all that. And so you're touring around Dubai or other countries around the area? We... There's not really much... So Dubai is in the United Arab Emirates, and it's pretty isolated. It's just in the Middle East. And, I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about the kind of the scene stuff there, but... It's pretty isolated, not only geographically, but in terms of kind of everything else. And so it's not really possible to kind of how you might do here or in the UK or in, in like, you know, the US where you can kind of just move out in a radius, you know, like yeah. local towns or whatever. So we, we did like shows, we did like play around like Southeast Asia a little bit and stuff because there's like a really cool um, underground of like punk and hardcore bands and stuff over there Indonesia Philippines like Singapore Malaysia stuff like that there's like a whole like a really like thriving like underground yeah 
Okay. So really you cool. finally maybe find a scene in this way? Sort of, yeah. I'd say so. So yeah, we played there a fair bit, or like a couple times, rather. Um, yeah, really cool, really cool spot. You know, like a lot of people who are just like really into it. I guess it kind of seemed like what I was reading about in like DC or in like, you know, wherever else, Chicago or stuff in like the mid 80s and stuff, you know, with it seemed like a similar kind of um, like sense of community, I guess. Punk and hardcore and the po politics side of music is what's drawing you in by the sounds of it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But more, I guess, just the, it's like the lyrics, I guess, more than anything. Is, can you can you um, point us to any particular influences lyrically? The Dead Kennedys definitely spoke to me, um, like so much in terms of that, because it was really playful as well. Like, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people kind of have a knee-jerk reaction to sort of pol political politicism and political lyrics and stuff like that because of it can kind of seem like unrelatable or it can seem kind of a little preachy or something, but. What I really liked about the Dead Kennedys was it was done really tongue-in-cheek, and instead of saying, like, this is bad, they would write a song from the viewpoint of someone they wanted to, like, vilify, you know? So, like, Police Truck, like, it's written from the point of view of a bunch of police officers who are, like, a big fan of police brutality and, like, and love the stuff, you know? And so it's just, like, written from their point of view, like, they're dudes going out on the town and, and so you just hate the guy that, that they're pretending to be do you know what I mean tonight tonight that we got the truck we're going downtown gonna beat up the run you're gonna drive I'll bring the beer it's a late late ship no one to fear ride ride I'll ride so it's like I just really like their approach and how they kind of they weren't just saying like the government is bad that's the best form of lyricism and literature as well uh, show them don't tell them yeah let people kind of um, then I suppose make up their own mind or whatever and Grand Hotel Paradox aren't playing right now so um, what was the end was that you moving pretty much just kind of petered out a bit because I, I had moved and we were still doing a little bits and pieces like we did a little tour after that after I came to Belfast yeah, just that kind of thing. It just sort of like distance, you know, things just kind of fizzled out. And so when exactly did you move to Belfast? I moved to Belfast in September 2011. I was still living in Dubai at the time and was pretty eager to like, I just always like to keep, be occupied and stuff. So once I kind of graduated from, I suppose, like secondary school, high school kind of thing, after having done like A-levels, a essentially, I didn't, wasn't really sure if I wanted to go to university at all, to be honest. And like, I wasn't sure if that was really the kind of thing I wanted to do. And I'd been kind of recording like my friends' bands and local bands a lot in kind of just in my bedroom with, you know, little thrown together kind of recording equipment and oh, stuff. Oh, tell me your setup, please. Oh, okay. I was just, it was like, you know, those little headphones that you might use for Skype or like gaming yeah. where you had like one microphone to your mouth and <laughs> headphones um, so like that like stuck onto like a you know a cymbal stand just like taped to it to record the, the drum kit sorry the on Windows sound recorder that that was the like probably one of the first for a good like half a year I was like that's what recording is yeah. sweet just put it on the thing and then like you know sound recorder and be like sounds like a drum kit so that's cool so that was a good while, and then eventually, just you know, little, um, little recording setups, little like kind of preamps, like inbox type things and stuff, and slowly growing, you know, getting slightly better equipment, and you know, someone will be like, "I'll pay you, you know, a tiny bit of money to record my EP," and I'll be like, "Yes!" So people pay you a tiny bit of money to record yeah, their like, EPs. Yeah, like I, I, it started. There were people who would be doing stuff at like like friends' bands who would be doing like. Um, similar kind of recording like really crappy lo-fi stuff but then they'd be like you're you're you put drums in that band you record drums why don't we record the drums with you and then we'll do the other <laughs> stuff and this is like me recording into like audacity or whatever you're like no different like it's, it's crazy it's just like because we were so like isolated we didn't really know how things should be done you know mm. what i mean somehow you end up deciding to do a music technology degree in a completely different country different city sure Okay, yeah. So then I guess I was kind of a lot of the time was that really low quality recording. And then eventually I started to build up more equipment and I had like a little, like it was like a, a little like garage kind of spare room sort of thing in the house that I used to like record bands and I got better at stuff and they got better at stuff as I kind of grew older. I was really enjoying it and, and I was like, this could maybe be like a thing that I do because this is like a like an exciting thing and people are now paying me money to do it. Like, you know, and, and it kind of very slowly built up. And for whatever reason, I kind of decided I sort of wanted to 
leave Dubai because it's the way it's it's kind of a weird place to live. Like it's a weird place to grow up and live in. Um, it's it's one of those. It's kind of like growing up and living in like Las Vegas or whatever. Do you know, it's like it's kind of hard to, for it to be a home. And there's a lot of really pretty bad inherent moral issues with the place as well in terms of like obviously it's all over the news and stuff. The way people are treated, really institutional racism, just like terrible like inequalities throughout a lot of the kind of that region and stuff. And I'm not sure if I wanted to be there anymore. You know, I couldn't really feel like I really belonged even after having lived there for however many years. So I kind of decided I want to go somewhere and I thought, I guess university will allow me to kind of go somewhere else, even though I hadn't really intended on, on doing that. And I was kind of looking for things that might work and, and I was kind of looking for maybe sound recording sort of courses, but a lot of them seem to be very like, do you want to be a DJ? You know, kind of things. <laughs> yes. I, I was like, well, I don't know. I don't want to be a DJ. <laughs> so th- those were out. And then it was like... You want to make the big bucks recording the big stars? The, the stars. S-T-A-A-A-H-S. Stars. Um, yeah, no. And then I kind of just... Um, found this one at Queens, which was like, seemed to lean towards more like acoustics and like things that I was unable to teach myself. And I thought that would probably be a good, um, a good fit. And just randomly happened to be, I guess, you know, well, in obviously in Northern Ireland. And I had no intention really on going to Ireland. And it just kind of randomly happened that way. I could have been anywhere else in the world, I suppose. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Just what, what makes that little spark decision to go to this specific place? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I mean, it's weird because, like, I guess my brothers had often like talked about like you know we should go back to Ireland like because that's where we're from and and I I had never I'd only been there for obviously like I said like a year or two so I never really felt like it was my home at all I never really felt like anywhere was my home really so I didn't have any ties so it was actually kind of random that the only course that seemed to excite me was like you know here so I was like okay. Cool. With full disclosure, I actually did study on the same course program uh-huh. that Chris was on a couple of years before you. And yes, that's sort of what attracted me as well, that it's not just learning how to record a band, that there's science and computer programming, physics, a lot yeah. of different things um, around that area of sound art and sound design and music technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly I know from talking to you, and talking to other people about you, which you'll be, I see your eyes lighting up. Oh dear, what, what they have say? they said? Um, that you are so attentive to things like acoustics and to sound quality. And for you, I guess that's that's just second nature now. But like, you probably don't think, feel like you are. But that's, I don't think, like, it's the same thing. It's not because I have any talent. It's just because I've been listening for like like a while. And now we can hear it. But like, I'm <laughs> not any better hear. than anyone else. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's not like that I'm, it's just, that I, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I, it's just like practicing, you know. When you landed here, culture shock or what was it like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I'd never been to Northern Ireland at all. And kind of being from the South, you know, you have all these weird, like unfounded presumptions as well, um, just from what you see in like the news or whatever. Um, and it was weird. I guess I didn't think to come and check it out before going. I just sort of applied and I was like, great, I'm going to go do that now. Yeah, when I got here, it was weird. I mean, a big part of it as well is like my accent. I I got like really self-conscious a lot. And and I think when I kind of first came here, I was just as the same as I would be anywhere else. And I kind of was like, hey, how's it going? I'm Chris. Just because like I don't have much of a filter with stuff. The first, I guess, year or so I came here, I was a bit like, Ah, I don't really know if I'm fitting in here or whatever, if this is really like for me or whatever. And like the same thing, like musically, I, I kind of a good like th- couple years before I really started to feel like I was able to like fit into any like scenes or play music with anyone. Or So it was kind of, I like felt there was a lot of really like lovely people who like um, offered me a lot of friendship, but I, I guess I felt pretty isolated um, originally. And I had kind of intended to, when I was finished, to maybe hop on and go somewhere else as well because um, I thought that's maybe what I should do but then I kind of I guess we're like jumping ahead but I guess I kind of just eventually like found a lot more of a home here than anywhere else I'd ever lived I guess uh, a lot of people I talk to who have moved to Belfast um, they have their ups and their downs and the things they love about it and the things they hate about it. Sure. Um, but one of the main things they love about it, and it sounds like a real cliche, but it's the people that they grow to love 
and I don't mean like a people as in a Belfast people, but just individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is people I'm talking to in the artistic community, especially musicians. Uh, you've obviously made big connections with a couple of different musicians. You play in a couple of bands, and um, one of them is the band that you sort of lead, Robocobra Quartet. So how did that get started? Uh, I'm really upset here because of a few minutes ago when you were talking about Northern Ireland, I really wanted to fit in the joke and go, <laughs> this program is sponsored by the Northern Ireland Tourist Board. <laughs> um, see, I still can't do the accent, as you can tell. Um, well, we kind of, we had all met at um, Queen's, like, doing the same course. And um, it's, it's kind of, it's all a bit blurry to how it started and stuff. Because I had, I had met Nathan, who plays the bass, beforehand. And we were kind of like, we should make music together. And we kind of tried a few different things and it didn't really seem to stick. And then I met uh, Tom and, and Jamie, who were, uh, were playing soprano sax and tenor sax at that time. And it kind of just seemed to work in terms of, like, writing and and. and uh, brought me into like a new world of trying to improvise and that kind of thing that I'd kind of dabbled in but never really um, never really focused on that much and it kind of really helped with uh, to have the kind of support I guess with it um, from what we were learning at uni at the same time so it's kind of hard to pinpoint really it's just sort of accidentally all like shifted together and stuff and for people who don't know the band has an interesting lineup um, of drummer vocalist bass guitar and two saxophones, um, which I guess isn't actually that weird, but whenever you started making a bit of waves on the local music scene, that was the thing everyone talked about. <laughs> They're crazy! There's Whoa. no guitars! <laughs> yeah, it's weird, I don't know, it just kind of, it just happened that way, I guess. And then it was kind of nice because when you play shows, sound guys have an easier time because there's like less... A mid-range sort of harmonic content of like distorted guitars or whatever taking up the kind of middle so those people we just made the band to make it easy for house sound engineers because they're all so upset those guys you know house sound guys at venues that they were bummed out so we, we want to help them out yeah god love them and their long shorts That's <laughs> uh, but you were telling me off air there are a little, there's a couple of things on in the pipeline and some shows coming up yeah we're always kind of working on schemes gotta be scheming a um 12 inch which like that we got like a grant from PRS to do like the pre- to press the vinyl for ah we're also playing at McHugh's on the 18th of February in Belfast um, as part of that output conference thing oh very good yeah robocobraquartet.com has like a little tour dates link that you can kind of see all the all the upcoming schemes class and I'm sure you're on all the social media so if people find Chris Ryan or Chris Ryan signed is that sure one? yeah you're so blasé but it's great (laughs) (laughs) I prefer the word blaze (laughs) sorry I don't know why I said that as in blazing squad or as Um, in uh, blazing shoes um, or blazing saddles all of the above that sounds like a Viz quiz. Do you know Viz magazine? No. I'll tell you about it off air. Okay. So, uh, so this is what happens. Because I'm not... This is where tying it all around to your theme. Because I'm not from here, I never know all these things that people talk about, like like old chocolate bars and like <laughs> TV shows that were big when they were kids. And like I don't know any of these things. I don't know. It's so exciting, though. It's a learning process. Father Ted? I know Father Ted. I know Father Ted. What about... Um trying to think about give my head peace Northern Irish thing I did see but I've only been educated on that recently but like right. you know people be like you, you've never had a Strandrad bar like you never had a you never saw the Street Strat show you never saw a Cran Bar and Drambus you know like all these like I'm like what, what are all these things you never how have you never had those sweets sorry called? listeners Chris is just making up names in case you're wondering I've never heard about that either. I've never had a Cran Drad bar sorry I'm just making it yeah that's um, what it sounds like to me uh, well Chris it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, I guess you'll be in Belfast for the foreseeable future but uh, knowing you and uh, your creative personality who knows where you'll be in a year or two from now John I'll be talking to you the same time next year so thanks Chris for coming in and having a chat that was really fun and uh, hopefully I'll have him in sometime in the near future so I'll be back next week with uh, perhaps in the lead up to Valentine's Day a special love edition or if you have any better ideas and think that's a terrible idea please let me know via Twitter you can listen again to this and to all the other episodes of The Jewel Case on iTunes just search The Jewel Case but for this evening and our journey 
through musical journeys to different cities, different countries, different accents, different cultures. That's us. Don't say nothing if you can't.